It's 2020 and season three of the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot, and for those of us that work in music, it's Grammy week, and so much is happening. From the news to the events to the celebrations, it was really important for me to do this episode to not only discuss how you can get involved and be a Grammy member, but I really wanted to focus on just getting involved. It's an election year, and more important than ever, to have a voice. A lot of people have strong opinions about politics and award shows, but if you're not voting or getting involved, nothing's ever going to change. I'm a governor for the LA chapter of the Recording Academy, and it's a privilege to advocate on behalf of my favorite artists and creatives. The music industry is changing so fast, and if we're not involved in the conversation about the future, who will be? If you want to get more involved in the Recording Academy, do it today. You need to apply by March 1st. More details in this episode or on the Idea Fountain page. No matter what, I hope this episode inspires you to get involved and use your voice this year. We need people who care, speaking up for what matters, and connecting more than ever. This is the Idea Fountain, life-changing right, conversations. Cool. Thanks so much for coming out and hanging out for a live edition of the Idea Fountain. Usually, uh, I do these episodes in my house, uh, like a little fireside chat. 20 people is packed. But uh, tonight, we're going to be doing a really special episode about participating, getting involved, and specifically membership with the Recording Academy. And so we wanted to open it up to the public and um, invite uh, some people who haven't been to my house yet. Uh, usually, we kick off the podcast with everybody checking in and bringing people into the room. But since people are a little spread out here, I just would like to ask a favor. On the count of three, if you don't mind, there's no time to be shy. I would just like, on the count of three, everybody to yell their own name as loud as they can, okay? Like first name and last name, or just the fir your first name? However you want to be professionally known by. It could also be your rap name, or your Instagram handle. Lots of options. Okay, are you guys ready? No being shy, we're only going to do this once, all right. Thank you so much for coming to this live edition of the Idea Fountain. Who do we have in the room? One, two, three. That's amazing. And uh, great acoustics in this place. I have to say, we're at Optimus Studios, which is awesome. There actually already was an entire Idea Fountain episode on optimism. And now we're at Optimus Studios. Um, I also have to say thanks to Alicia and Creon for Bonnie's for making the food, and our friends at Dice for helping us out with the ticketing for the live event. Um, we've got a variety of people in the room. I love that we have some music industry legends here, and we also have some people who are just getting started in their career but moved to LA uh, music or bust and really want to get involved in the community. Um, so I think we have a little something for everybody. And it's going to be um, important to have a lot of different voices in the room. But first, I think I would like to introduce my two guests. 
Um, you can learn a lot by reading your friend's bios. I, uh, I, seriously, I found out two things I didn't know about either one of you guys. Okay, so first off, Evan Bogart, Los Angeles born and raised songwriter, producer, and creative executive, Evan Kid Bogart has had a hand in writing some of the biggest hits of the past decade, including Rihanna's worldwide number one, SOS, Beyonce's Grammy award-winning Halo, in addition to iconic records with Madonna, Britney Spears, Lizzo, and countless others. Son of Casablanca Records founder Neil Bogart, Evan began his career at Interscope, where he worked on Tupac after he died, right? Yeah. Okay. And eventually helped to discover an A&R and open for Eminem. That's true. I, that, I left that off the bio, though. <laughs> I did open for Eminem. The whiskey. <laughs> Before stints as a manager and agent for uh, both Maroon 5 and One Republic. Through his various ventures, Bogart has signed and developed Grammy Producer of the Year nominee, Ricky Reed. That's what, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Early days wallpaper supporter. I had no idea that you signed him. Yeah. Blues rock recording artist ZZ Ward and multi-platinum pop duo MKTO, to name a few. Bogart currently serves as the president of the Los Angeles chapter of the Recording Academy. Welcome, Evan. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, next up, Kiana Conley uh, began in music in 1999 at Epic Records in promotions and A&R while contributing to album projects by Michael Jackson, Jennifer Lopez, and B2K. Hey. What do you think of that uh, Omarion headlining show coming this way? I think Beyonce said it best. <laughs> best revenge is your paper. So. Yeah. Way to go, oh. <laughs> Way to go, oh. <laughs> and then is a director, creative, A&R, television and film. She worked for publishers Notting Hill Music Publishing and Olay in Canada, and with Simon Cowell's record label Psycho and Sony Music on albums for One Direction, Cher Lloyd, and Alexandra Burke. She quickly became known amongst her peers for innovative curation of the catalogs and talent roster across genres, media platforms, and music markets. In 2011, Conley founded Q the Creatives, where she began music supervising, bringing quality music soundscapes to films of all artistic outreach, regardless of budget demands. In 2014, Conley expanded into executive producing film, TV, and live events. I didn't know you made the TLC movie. I didn't make the one you're thinking of. Oh. <laughs> but I, I have... Um, directed and produced a documentary on, on the girl group TLC. So it's to be seen. Still awesome, still, still awesome. awesome. Uh, she served four years as governor, plus two terms in the Los Angeles chapter uh, board secretary position of the Grammy's parent entity, the Recording Academy. And in 2018, lucky for us, uh, Conley became the executive director of the Los Angeles chapter of the Recording Academy Grammys, working with the organization's largest chapter and some of today's most influential music creators and professionals in guiding event programming. Membership in board engagement and national and local advocacy efforts for a quarter of the entire Academy membership body through partnerships with Grammys on the Hill, Music Cares, and the Grammy Museum Foundation. Welcome, Kiana. Thanks, guys. Um, I know. I mean, uh, seriously, that's one of the best feelings I get every single time I go to meet with the community of creatives and professionals with the Grammys is I'm just so humbled to be in the room. And, um, you know, 
the Idea Fountain has listeners all over the world, and not everybody works in music. So I'm curious, before we dig in on the conversation with the Recording Academy, um, when in your life did you start getting involved or connected to community? And did you participate at all before the Academy, either one of you? I'll, I'll start just because I have the mic. <laughs> it's easier. Um, yeah, definitely. I think from for me being involved. Um, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm just dropping water. Um, being involved with community has sort of always been important to me. It's meant different things at different times in my career. Um, and as a young girl from like I'm from the Southern California area, right? So I'm also a little bit of a unicorn in the industry because yeah, Evan and I both are, are Southern California born and raised. And where'd you grow up? Um, I'm from the South Bay. I'm from actually like the area that we're basically in right now. Wow. So, um, no wonder you got here so fast. I was here. <laughs> I've been here. I knew exactly how to get here. Um, yeah. So and my father actually worked. He was a clerk in the um, the post office down the street. So I used to come here all the time. That's kid, amazing. As has it changed yeah. a lot? I mean, um, it has, but not really. Yeah. Yes, but no. It's 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 good though. Good change. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I've been involved with community most of my life as someone who didn't really have um, a start from like family or from you know necessarily mentors in the industry. It was about me getting involved. You know, in the um, in the music business um, any way I could. And so one thing that I did have a lot of experience with was being connected to community. You know, I had been involved. I grew up as a dancer. I was a poet. And that's what made me think I was going to be a lyricist. Like, that was how my interest in even being in the music industry got started, is that, you know, I was a musical creative kid. And I wrote poetry. And I thought, I don't sing, but I'm good with words. So I'll, I'll be a songwriter, um, which led me to actually not do that. <laughs> I fell in mm. love with the music business side of it. But I always had a heart for songwriters. So I've always, as you can tell, my, you know, my, my bio, I've always been connected to the music creator from the songwriting perspective. And so um, being connected to community is how I got started. Being connected um, to the community is also how I got involved with the Recording Academy because by being a publisher first, um, it was actually, actually Angela Bibb Sanders, I think that's her name, who was the executive director at the time of my first job at Notting Hill Music that did this outreach to young urban sort of music publishers and just saying, hey, let's all come together, meet at the Recording Academy, and let's just get to know each other. It was a mixer that she held at the Pico location once it was there. And that was my introduction to the Recording Academy. And I love the fact that someone saw me, so yeah. to speak, that you know, I knew I was someone that didn't really have a lot of connections. I was kind of brand new. Um, but it was still a call out mm -hmm. you know, for us to, to come and be a part. And that spoke volumes to me was the outreach part of what this organization was doing for the community. And so ever since then, literally, I've been on screening committees. I've been on the board. I'm now working for the academy. I've had a long history with the academy. But I always loved what the heart of it really was, which was about connecting to the membership, even as a professional. You know, I was never a voting member. I was always a professional member. I think so I love I, that. I love what you said. I think that's really powerful. The mentoring work that I do has... Um, uh, is based off of a principle. It's a Zulu phrase, and it's sawabona, and it means I see you. And I feel so strongly that everybody has value, and I love that as you were just starting out, you were seen, 
right? And someone recognized your gifts. And just by paying you that little attention, it's like, you know, watering the seed. You've grown um, to 20 plus years of impact and serving creatives. That's, that's so powerful. Now, Evan, how about you? I have a feeling like when you were going to Beverly Hills 90210 High School, you may have been on the, <laughs> was, that, was that where you went? I only went there for a semester. <laughs> And really, I, I kid because, like, I, uh, growing up in Seattle, was so jealous that there was a high school here that had a radio station in it. Yeah. Right? Did you DJ there? Yeah, I was on KBEV. KBEV. Yeah. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Who else DJed there? Mike Karen. Oh, my God. It was me, Mike Karen, this kid Justin Trugman, Cassie Hoban, a bunch, a bunch of people. Yeah, we were on KBEV radio. And? Mr. Styles, he ran, which is hilarious that his name was Mr. Styles, was the, was the teacher who ran KBEV. Mr. Styles. And Mr. Styles. That's uh, he had no style. Amazing. And where was KBev broadcast to? Was it on public, on like a public access Beverly Hills television? television. It wasn't. It wasn't even on radio. So you could tune in in the classrooms. Did you have Channel One in your classrooms? You had Channel One. That's some nineties call out. I think it was three. See, in um, like where I went to school, and um, they couldn't afford to have TVs in the schools, they partnered with this organization called Channel One. And this company would give free TVs to all the classrooms if the kids watch 15 minutes of homeroom every day. And they'd play like Mountain Dew and Snickers commercials. But the best part about this is Lisa Ling was the Channel One anchor. And so I feel like I went to high school with Lisa Ling. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I could see you being the type of person that might have been in student council. Did you do any community stuff? I wasn't like, in before? student. I actually wasn't. Like, um, I was in like yearbook. Mm. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that counts. It matters. It all matters. <laughs> you know what? Like, like I, um, the first community that I ever wanted to be a part of, and I didn't realize it was community, was just the hip hop community. Right. Like in high school, that's that's all I wanted to be as part. I just wanted to be a part of hip hop. And that's it, you know? And so I, I was building community, not in the same way of like mentorship in that sense, but actually building a community and being part of a community without realizing that's what I was doing. Yeah. You know, like for me- Like all down the Sunset Strip. I mean, the whiskey, what was the night called? Uh, ballistics. Ballistics. That's where I met, like, that's where, like, where I met Will, like Will I am. Yeah. You know, we would, we would uh, you know, freestyle there at, at the all ages club at the whiskey called Ballistics. Nick Adler was a booker? Nick, uh, Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick was part of it, but it was actually, it was Dave Faustino okay. from, from uh, Married with Children. Yeah. I <laughs> but, love Bud Bundy. these L.A. stories. Um, it was Bud Bundy. It was this, this graffiti kid named Rainbow. Okay. Um, who, was like, who was like a famous tagger in L.A. and uh, a Christian Slater. Like, it was a whole crew of like people who would throw he this club. He feels like he's a generation ahead of us. But who? no, he was Christian Slater. He, like, but he was. I was just like a young, I was oh, a young kid. I, okay. It was all ages club, so I was like 14, 15 years old. Wow, you were DJing at KBEV and hanging out with a guy from Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. I, I mean, saw NWA perform there. Like, I mean, and that was when Will was an at-band clan, when they were signed to Ruthless. You saw NWA perform there and at the Greek. Yeah, that's true. Years <laughs> later. Years later, that's true. Which I was so surprised by that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. But, but LA in, history. But in, but in LA, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of like uh, underground hip-hop clubs, like Unity, um, which uh, Big A B used to throw. He passed away, but but he was like kind of like a staple of like the LA underground club scene. And uh, and then even like just freestyling different places, like City Walk, like Exhibit used to be up there. And hmm. like, 
I don't know. It was just That's to me wild. that was the community I wanted to be involved in, but I didn't realize it was community, and it wasn't with it wasn't with any any intention of wanting to like give back or be there for a community. I just kind of stumbled into that, mm. um, and kind of started building community. Like community wasn't something that was like a part of my. Um, it wasn't a part of like my my traject my trajectory. It wasn't until actually I became a songwriter that community became important to me. Yeah. And like fighting for creators' rights, and then actually when I became a when I became a member of the Recording Academy is when it really when I started realizing what they did. And how long have you been a member? Um, oh man, I don't actually know the answer to that question, but I think it's probably like no, I mean it's probably like uh, l like late. Like late two thousands, early two yeah. thousands, yeah. But I grew up. My mom, my mom was in the music industry, and uh, every time she would get a ballot, I'd vote with her. Oh, that's you know? cool. So it was like something we Come did on. that was like really special, right? So the minute I had enough creative credits, I wanted to vote, and I wanted wow. to vote for myself. It was it was important to me. And your family's involved in a lot of philanthropy too, right? That's community. Yeah. Well, so again, like, I was a part of that, like the Children's Hospital Los Angeles. My. Um, the, the Neil Bogart Memorial Fund, which was named after my dad who passed away, was um, this, the, at the time, uh, second to the Saban uh, charity, was the, was the number one uh, in uh, fundraising and actually led the entire nation on uh, neuroblastoma research and got a $10 million grant from the government. And the east wing of the Children's Hospital for many, for decades, was the Neil Bogart wing. Um, and so I was really involved with that. Um, but it wasn't like I was thinking, like, I'm going to be part of community. It was just something we did. It mm. was something my family did. You yeah. Know? So, uh, you know, philanthropy is a, is a huge part of my, uh, my upbringing. I mean, it kind of dominated my, my whole family's life. I think for myself, when I get really involved or when I get overwhelmed by things that are happening nationally, I have to make a difference locally. And I think it's so awesome. I always use that cliche, 90% of it is just showing up. And I think that I have to applaud everybody that's here today, whether you're a member or not, just to get the information and to connect with new people and get outside of your bubble. Um, Evan is the person that conned me into, no, just kidding, that got me into being at the Grammys, you know, uh, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, the me, first, me too. The first two years um, as a governor, we're like, you kind of need the first two years just to kind of understand how everything works. Really? I yeah. say that all the time. You say that all the time? Yeah, like, yeah. Get well, I was just saying, I was just saying, like, I always say to governor, new governors, like, I know you're excited, I know you have ideas. Just get in and be for yeah. like, just a little bit. See what it is, and then you can really understand where your impact is. You right. know? And it, it might take your full two terms in order to, to really understand that. Because there's so much already happening yeah. that we haven't done a really great job of, of telling people that we do. But I think all of that's even overwhelming, and it's there's so much there, and it's and you're still necessary. Like your ideas are still needed, but like get in and, and give it that time. You know? And I want to talk about that tonight. I want to talk about the layers of involvement um, for the Los Angeles chapter. I'm co-chairing membership with People Magazine's Sexiest Man in the Universe, <laughs> John Legend, which is amazing. And John is so involved and so passionate about getting more people involved. It's been uh, really fantastic. Um, but in general, I mean, can you give a broad stroke overview? There's so many people that think that their voice doesn't matter 
or like, you know, they don't know um, what difference they can make. I mean, is there any way you can articulate just why people should show up or that doesn't matter? You mean in terms of becoming a member or getting... I mean, just even participating, just right? Just participating. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the organization itself, people don't realize this. I mean, we're mainly known for our award show, which is a really great award show. It's, yes, the number one music night, you know, globally over and over again, whether people like our show or not. Um, <laughs> those are the ratings, right? Um, but it's a membership organization, right? It's a membership organization first. It was started by people who had decided, like... They wanted to just keep their community, yeah. <laughs> keep their network together, and then offer recognition for the work because they understood each other. They lived this life together, and they wanted to be able to have a place to not only extend it, but to also sort of celebrate it and to, and to support it, to really continue to fight for it. Those sort of three pillars, if you want to you know, give them other names like service, advocacy, and recognition, right? are still the, the foundational pillars of, of the organization that we are today. Like, that part has not changed. And I want to call out what you're saying and break it down in even simpler terms, because this is something that the light bulb didn't really go off over my head until this year. As somebody that grew up as an absolute music psycho, and I would have loved to be able to be filling out that ballot with my parents, right? Uh, I programmed radio for a lot of years and probably touched and connected with more artists and more music and supported than just about anybody. And I was always a little bit bummed that I wasn't a voter and I didn't understand. And it wasn't until really this year that it sank in that the voting members are the creatives. And this is really the only association or society that unbiased is run by creatives and the creatives are voting. And the reason that matters is because even radio, and I'm not saying anything bad about radio, um, but they have the NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters that's lobbying against things like the Performance Act to pay performers more for getting their songs played on the radio. So technically, if I was just because I was a voting member on radio, I could have technically been a part of the NAB and voted against creatives. And it's really that deep. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's probably like one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about the Recording Academy is, especially when it comes time to, to voting, or for advocacy uh, issues and whatnot is like, is that people don't realize that it is, a, it is an organization that's essentially governed by creatives. Yeah. You know, it's like the creatives, you know, we have the board of trustees and we have the chapter board system and then we have all of the, all of the voting members are people who have had uh, creative credits to, to substantiate their, um, their experience, you know, so that they can vote. And a lot of times people, especially in the voting process, people are always like, oh man, they can't believe the Grammys did that, or the Grammys did that. Grammys didn't do anything. It's the vote. It's the voting members, the people who are actually making records, producing, engineering, songwriting, singing, you know, playing instruments that are actually the voices behind what what wins, what gets nominated, and also helps drive that drive the advocacy, drive, drives the agenda as far as like what we're fighting for. And the Recording Academy fights for all creatives, you know, a, across the board. Okay, so I want to get to the meat and potatoes of why we're here up front to make sure everybody gets a chance to understand it. Um, I want to really 
Yeah. Oh, oh, sure. It, it kind of, I think it'll still tie into where you're going, but a little bit closer to what your actual question of me was like, why is it important? Like, why does your voice matter? And sitting a little bit further on the perspective of being a professional person with the voice, mm -hmm. why it mattered to me is, and I love the way you just said it, because that's what triggered sort of this idea was like, it's about supporting music creators. Like for me, if I'm professionally a person who has put my 20 years of a career into of support of music creators, even though I don't have the right to vote, why would I not want to be a part of this organization? If right. the work that I do on a nine to five or seven to 11.30 at night <laughs> yeah. is about supporting music creators, why would I not want to be a part of an unbiased organization right. whose entire purpose is about extending promoting and, and fighting for the rights of music creators. Well, and we'll talk Whether a little I bit. Or not. I, I, I agree. And we'll dig in a little bit more on the professional versus creative membership coming up. And I agree with you. And that's why when Evan asked me to be a part of the Grammys or, uh, you know, uh, the Recording Academy LA Chapter Board, as a professional, I think the Grammys is the most sacred award ceremony, right? And it's such a special thing for music that even if I didn't agree with all the choices all the time, I wanted to be in there fighting for it and protect what it stood for. So yeah, I, I agree that professionals should want to support creatives. And we'll talk about some of our goals we have for a professional membership. Um, for people here and for people listening um, who are deeply connected to music, I want to talk about membership. I want to talk about membership, not only um, how the membership process has changed a little bit, but I also want to um, really challenge everybody in here who is a music professional to find their two. Um, uh, Kiana, do you want to break down the membership process? Yeah, I'll make it quick and, and painless <laughs> as much as possible. So um, the membership process as it stands today, um, it is, uh, it's sort of an annual process. So similar to if you were trying to become a member of Soho House or if you were like being accepted into like college or university, right? You have to be recommended, right? And so that's the biggest change that um, the industry at large has sort of felt within the last year or so is um, the process feels like it's a bit more difficult, but it's really not. Um, it's just, it really is about creating a space and an environment for true music professionals to be a part of the membership as opposed to hobbyists or as opposed to um, people who are n just not as committed well, to their Well, and we yet. didn't want it to be something where if you just paid X amount of dollars, you weren't a member. Exactly. We wanted, again, It's the, not Netflix. Right. You don't pay $10 and get yeah. all the access you want in life. It's slightly different. And I think, um, to your point of all the other work that we do, there is a reason why, right? Mm -hmm. it, it should really have this true, strong heartbeat of for music creators by music creators. So the process now is that you have to get two letters of recommendation from anyone that's in the music industry, right? So if you're a member and you make a recommendation, it's easy, right? You're sort of pre-vetted, or if you know a member, that person's pre-vetted. Um, but as long as they're you know, sort of easily verifiably in the music industry, they will qualify as your two recommendations. So I yeah. like to say if you're an artist and you work with a producer and you have a manager, bam, there's your two. If you're a songwriter and you write with a musician and you have another collaborator, bam, there's your two. In the middle of that session, you know, start that process as well. Well, and I have to say, when you say you need letters of recommendation, it's really the easiest thing in the world. Even as somebody who sits on the board, 
um, and was co-chairing membership, I literally wrote out an entire letter of recommendation for Victoria Canal, shout out, and uh, then went to upload it yeah, and realized it was a drop-down link, some information, it's, 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 and the it's easiest like thing when, in the world. Like when they call a letter recommendation, it's not really a letter. It's yeah. not like a letter of recommendation. It's just a form, yeah. and, it, and it takes, I mean, 10 minutes the most to recommend somebody. Right. Like the most. Ten minutes if you're like unsure what to say and you're thinking about it. So I mean, if you're really passionate about music and um, supporting creatives, or even who is voting on um, the side, or getting diversity, um, more diversity, more inclusion, think about as a professional who are the two people you would recommend. I mean, that's the easiest way to think about think about it as like who's already a part of your network you know um to make it more challenging than what it has to be if there are two people that you're like this person should have a voice here those are the two people you should recommend right make right. it simple um the other the next steps are if you're interested in being a voting member versus a professional member you do need to um have credits you have to have 12 credits in whatever respective category you are sort of like submitting your consideration for so if you're a, song, a songwriter 12 credits on a commercially released project here in the US, right? That's the other key, right? Commercial release here in the US. So what does that also not say? It does not say that you have to be a US citizen in order to be a member of the Recording Academy. It means you can be, you can from anywhere as long as you have product that's being released commercially in the US. So at least 12 credits, 12 credits as a songwriter, 12 credits as a producer, 12 credits as a musician, that's what you're also submitting. And then um, once your two letters of recommendation to the same email address, that part is key, right? So make sure they have the same email address for you. Once those are submitted, it will trigger a, um, a profile uh, form for you to then fill out, which is kind of like an application. You're just submitting your 12 credits as well as, well as your, um, uh, your contribution, so like, uh, or your creative contribution in terms of what you do. So if you're on tour, you're posting that information. If you're very active in social media, you're posting you know, those sites. If you have a bio, you post that. If you have a resume, because you're a professional member, you post that. You know, If you're on the roster for your management company and it's, you post that link, it's that sort of information, right? So you want to provide that, that information. Um, and then that whole process, all of that information gets, gets reviewed by our peer review panels in April, and that's made up of our national membership committee. And then in June, we extend invitations to join. And that's when you will hear if you've been you know, accepted into the academy, you would hopefully accept by paying your dues, which are $100 a year. You can either pay it one time, or you can pay for a five-year membership at $500 also at that same time. And you want to accept by September in order to qualify to then be uh, a participant in the next cycle of awards. Right? And we'll throw a big party. And, and we throw a big party. <laughs> we like to party. We like to party. No, yeah. Shout out to Beyonce. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we like to have fun. So we'll celebrate you coming and welcoming the family and all that good stuff. It's I just want to reiterate, too, again, she, like she said, peer review process. Again, it's literally creatives and professionals who are looking at the people that are applying and, and reviewing whether they should be sent an invite or not, right? It's not like hidden people behind like a, a wall somewhere that you don't know. It's like, again, it's your peers. It's your peer review process. That's, that is the key to the entire recording academy. It would be really smart if you want to get involved to just knock this whole process out this month because um, the awards are coming up and the deadline is in March. So March 1st. There's uh, no time like the present. Um, Please don't wait until February 28th. 
don't do that. And um, once people are members, um, let's talk about ways people can get involved. I mean, you know, we're a part of the board, but even if you're not a board, like, what are some committees you can sit on? How can you use your voice? Evan, I would even love you to tell a story maybe about how you lobbied for real change in the awards and made progress. Um, so, yeah, so after I, after I was... Um, I ran for the board in 2012, and I actually, uh, I ran in 2011 and I lost. Uh, I ran against uh, one of our trustee, current trustees now, Claudia Brandt. Um, so I don't hold it against her, she's, she's a friend. But, uh, but uh, and then it, midway through that, that cycle, um, I, I was elected as a replacement board member. Um, and, um, you know, once I got in there and I, and I was able to see all the stuff that we that we do with respect to service and with respect to advocacy and with respect to recognition, I was, I was just totally like enamored with it and like f just fell into it and wanted to do as much as possible. Like I was so blown away by everything that the Recording Academy does. One of the things as a songwriter that really was um, concerning to me and it took a few years to really you know, understand how to go about doing it was um, myself and Ross Golan and a few other songwriters decided that um, we felt like songwriters should be part of the album of the year process. And they actually kind of baffled us that in the 60 years prior or whatever, like that songwriters never were honored for being a part of the album process, which is crazy. Like, so like you have a song of the year award mm -hmm. that songwriters win and you have a record of the year award that producers, engineers, anybody involved with making the record, the artist would win. And then an album, which you would think would be a combination of the two. Everybody involved in making the album. Correct. And everybody involved with making of the album, including featured artists, mastering engineers, engin recording engineers, mixers, yeah. were actually being nominated and recognized except for songwriters. So um, being a part of the Recording Academy and understanding uh, how I, you know, understanding how it, would wor how it worked gave me the, um, honestly, the privilege to, to fight for other songwriters and to go and submit this proposal, which it took a couple years to get it, you know, get it through and, and uh, Two years ago, so, uh, songwriters became part of the album of the year process, and James Fauntleroy was the first songwriter to ever win uh, for album of the year. Which Shout great. out to James Fauntleroy. If we clap loud enough, he might be able to hear us down the street. That's something that I'll say. Thank you. That's something that you could do as a member. Right? Yeah. Even though you were involved as an elected leader at the time, submitting proposals for changes to things around categories or to governance, like. That's all something that every member has the opportunity, you know, to, to do. In addition to submitting for awards and, vote, and voting on awards, which are the obvious, you know, usually shining pieces that people like want to do. But I mean, there's so much more that people can get involved in. I just like holding the mic for you. I can tell. Um, I mean, and then other things, like obviously like the last few years getting involved with, you know, fighting for creators' rights with the Music Modernization Act um, and being, being involved with District Advocacy Day and going... Well, well, wait, let's break that down a little bit. Okay. I mean, I don't think um, most people understand what District Advocacy Day is. I, I told this story when we had our party this year to welcome new members that um, years ago, one of my friends wanted to start getting involved in politics, and she showed up to uh, volunteer at the Obama campaign, and they said, what's your CD? 
And she's like, ah, I've been listening to the John Legend CD a lot. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, what's your congressional district? And um, I mean, I think it's really awesome. Like, I've got to go meet with Karen Bass. Uh, my congressperson is part of District Advocacy Day, and that means so much to me to actually know the people in my community that are in charge of making things happen, and I wouldn't have necessarily done that if it wasn't for the Recording Academy. Talk about what we do once a year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, well, there's that's the big thing that we do, and it's sort of the, the sister version of what we do the other half of the year, uh, which is called Grammys on the Hill, and that's sort of where it was all launched, which is taking music creators. We have 20,000 members in, in uh, the Recording Academy, right? So as mentioned earlier, LA represents a quarter of them. We have about five or 6,000 members. But we would take, give opportunity to a majority of our members to actually go um, onto Capitol Hill with us and to meet with their Congress people and meet with them in their offices in DC and have this conversation about music creator rights. And it was really popular that the idea came that we should be, so what about the rest of the year? And we decided to now in October, same mission, same sort of spirit, take our members locally into their con congressional leaders' offices and be able to do the same thing. Talk about those issues that are still important to us as music creators, but do it like in their local offices, right? Which is in their districts which I think um, was a greater impact because we were able to then invite more of our membership to actually participate and be a part of that you know, foot to pavement, part of our movement. Um, and so it is one of the largest uh, music, you know, grassroots move movements for music creators. Um, in LA, we average anywhere between 350 to 400 you know, people every October meeting with their congressional leaders you know, across, gosh, maybe 30 different districts. You know, that's a lot. That's an easy way to get involved as a member, right? And to, like you, I met, that's where I first met Maxine Waters. This is before mm. she became everybody's auntie, like a year before. But still, you know, I'm sitting in her office in Compton talking to her about why it's important to make sure that she also partners not only with radio, as she's kind of been known to do, but to with the music creators that are in her community and bring six people that live in her district and tell her my story as someone who was born and raised in her district as well. It, it was really impactful, you know, that experience. And that's something that only came because I was, you know, a professional member at the time of the Recording Academy. That's awesome. I mean, I think the work that the Recording Academy does in DC and then locally in districts is, is so incredible. I mean, I, um, <clears throat> I had the privilege, I mean, so it doesn't matter if we're, we're meeting with Republicans, Democrat, like party affiliation doesn't matter, right? And I think what was so important about that was in the years leading up to the Music Modernization Act passing, we met with um, Democrats and Republicans and we brought people together and we had, we had Republicans. Um, and for people that don't know what the Music Modernization Act was. It was the broadest sweeping copyright royalty reform bill in I mean, I would say a generation, but maybe multiple generations, a hundred years. Because since the time of like player pianos, Congress right. has controlled the songwriter rate. Right. Which I still don't 100% understand how that happens, but you guys got it done. Yeah, and, 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 and the, um, the bipartisan part of it, I think is just so important because when it did pass, it passed unanimously through the House. Wow. Um, and, and I think unanimously through the Senate as well. It just unanimous. Everybody was behind it. But it was really interesting. Like when I met, you know, I, I kind of had like a, an easier, uh, I did, I, I uh, led 
twice District Advocacy Day to go see Congressman Adam Schiff, who has now become, you know, a superstar of, of, uh, of uh, the news <laughs> with everything going on in DC. But, um, you know, he was, he's always been such a big supporter of everything. But, you know, it's, it's been, uh, you know, we have members of the board, like our secretary, Jeff Greenberg, who went in and, and you know, helped convince Daryl Issa to come on board and support um, our bills. And, and we've actually uh, been able to sway a lot of people to get behind it. And again, like when it passed, it passed unanimously. There was no opposition. That's amazing. Um, the Grammys work with a lot of development and mentorship. Uh, there's Grammy in the schools, Grammy camp, there's Grammy U, and there's Grammy next. Or just next. Or next. The, Still Grammy next. So essentially hitting high school, college, and the future of the music business. It was really fun. Um, I love, I'm really passionate about the next crew. We've got some amazing musicians a part of it this year, like Michael Brune and Grace Weber and uh, Eden. Yeah. And um, I, I really have a lot of compassion for musicians because the music industry is crazy right now, right? And everybody's kind of Lewis and Clarking their way through, trying to navigate new models and opportunities. And to be a part of Next, even there's, I mean, some of these artists that are a part of Next have already been nominated for Grammys, but they need that support and that mentorship. And you can get connected with some of the biggest people in music, but in order to qualify for Next, you need to be a Grammy member. Absolutely, it's a, it's a program that is sort of um, spearheaded through our chapters, and not every chapter of the 12, <clears throat> there are 12 chapters by the way, not every chapter of the 12 offers a Next program, but definitely in Los Angeles, it's become something very um, dear to us um, in terms of our board and prioritizing it, and it's, you know, it's definitely something that we see as a robust part of what we offer to members. You do have to be an existing member. Um, the age range is 21 to 35. Um, and it's really about identifying who is gonna be a part of that next wave of, of Grammy you know, success, whether that is as a creator or indirect support of creators or just a part of those Grammy award-winning moments. You know, If you are seeing someone that you're like, yeah, this person is buzzing, this person's got it, this person is next, that would be someone we would want you to sort of bring to the, the forefront and ask um, if they're in that age group to apply. So it is a program that they have to apply for. There's a class every year. There's about 50 people that sit within that class. And we do additional programming outside of what we do for our membership in LA. We do additional programming that's just focused on their needs. They get to sort of tailor what um, topics are of interest to them. And we find, we put together panels or we do master classes or we do pull some personals around that. We do a number of workshops and then we also offer them a mentor that they get, and that mentorship is usually coming from our board. And like, why is that important? You know, our board has people like Julie Pilot, Evan Bogart, Jeff Greenberg, Rachel Stilwell, Orly Marley. Like, these are people that are like on the board. John Legend. Like, these are people that are mentoring you. And it can be you're an artist, but you really want to know more about you know licensing, or you need an attorney's advice and you know, it gives you just some more insight. And so I think it's a really great program. We're looking to, to use the brand in LA in a slightly different way. So stay tuned for that if you are a part of that group. Um, but we have a lot of people that have been success stories. The Recording Academy just did a social media um, campaign around our next program and featured 
you know, three of our very own LA-based people. Alex Ritchie, who's in the room tonight, was featured as part of that program. Um, Sierra Lever and a few others. And so I think it's, it is proven. It, there's proof in the pudding with that program. And we're excited that LA has sort of like really pushed for that to be prioritized for the Academy. So. That's so awesome. And uh, I'm going to want to get to some of the voices in the room. But Evan, before we do... I just wanted to add, also it gives, if you're a member, it also gives you the opportunity to mentor other people. Yeah. Right? Like, so maybe like you don't necessarily feel like you need a mentor or maybe you have, you already have a mentor, but maybe you feel like you have something to give back and you're looking for a way to pay it forward to the next generation. But you could also, you know, be a mentor in the next program. I think that's really powerful, and that's that's what I was going to bring up next. It feels like more and more, a lot of the people um, I know, whether it's people on the board or just in general, are really looking for opportunities to give back. And I don't know that most people know how powerful Music Cares is or some of the foundation work that the Grammys um, or the Recording Academies involved in. Will you say a little bit about Music Cares? Um, well, I'll, I'll speak to something specific with respect to music care. Is just that that's personal to me. Um, I'm I'm coming up personally on 15 years of sobriety, and yeah, <laughs> and um, and uh, a part of music cares is a, is a program called MAP, the Music Musicians Assistance Program, which actually one of our board members and secretary Jeff Greenberg was so instrumental in starting. But um, you know, it's been it's been really crucial for a lot of uh, artists and songwriters and producers that I work with about helping them get into recovery, helping them find therapists, helping them, you know, uh, with a, not only just addiction issues, but like anxiety and, and, thing, and depression and a lot of other things that have been going on, but, but um, in, in their lives that, that may, you know, come from being a creative. I feel like as a creative um, and as I feel like I'm more of like uh, prone to a lot of different uh, this, you know, I always say like the the the, the rod that hears melody when I'm yeah. writing a song Energy. also is the rod that hears like you know feels more right, and right. so um, it's like we're we're prone to to really being um, overwhelmed by by a lot of different outside uh, outside things, and I, and I think the map program is great, and what's what's so awesome about this, you don't you see this is where you don't actually have to be a member to 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 benefit from music cares right like music mm -hmm. cares is here to help the entire music industry both professional and creative you can get assistance for any of that and so i've had uh recording artists go get into rehab literally save people's lives you know through the map program well i've recommended music cares to some of the biggest music managers in the world that had like successful artists but were really scared about losing them and didn't know the right way to talk about it or approach it and then you know even outside of recovery i've seen music care step up like a little band going on their first tour and three steps along the way, their van with all their gear gets stolen, right? Um, or just a lot of artists don't have health insurance necessarily. Um, or I, I know Music Cares uh, swooped in uh, when there was the bombing at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester, right? Like natural you have disasters. all these people, natural disasters. It's so powerful. Yeah. Financial hardship. I mean, I've, I've recommended a number of songwriters and producers that I've worked with that have just hit a little bit of a valley in their career, right? And it's not, um, you know, and they just need help. They need help paying rent yeah. for that month, you yeah. know? Those are the sorts of programs that, to your point, that Music Cares offers, and what you were saying earlier, Evan, and you don't have to be a member of the Recording Academy to ask for that support. We do a few different programs throughout the year, a number of private concerts with, you know, 
um, financial you know, donors, um, and we do our biggest thing, which is person of the year, which happens during Grammy week, where you know, in honoring someone um, you know, great in our music community, we're able to raise between six and seven million dollars to support the work that we do throughout the year. And all of that money literally goes back into aiding music, music creators and professionals. You know, and that's, that's one of the biggest things that you can get involved with. You know, how can you help? How can you be involved as a member? Tell a friend that you know that's in need. Like these are people are always like, how can I be more involved? It's basic. Like you can like offer the the support. You can remind people to vote for their elected leaders. You can like see a friend that's in need and, and put them in touch with someone in the chapter to help them get access to music errors. You can walk with us into your congressman's office. Like it's simple ways to be involved um, for your hundred dollars. <laughs> like when you think about it, yeah. it's like it's not that much to do. So to get so much more and to offer so much more to the community that you're a part of. Yeah, it's really powerful. Before we do the Q&A, I'd like to put a few people on blast and see if um, some people that are really actively involved will come up really quick. Uh, Alex, I was talking to you, Rachel, Jeff, Orly, will you come up here, please? Uh, Hilton, you want to come up? I just would love, I um, have a few questions. Uh, Alex, why don't you grab the mic? Will you talk a little bit about how you've been really passionate about membership and getting different groups involved? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just like a quick overview, because I think it is important. I came from, I started in music in 08 uh, when I was still in high school. And as you all know, it was a very different time in entertainment. It was a very different time for diversity. And there was a number of reasons my aesthetic or my person didn't fit the bill as gay. Asian, small, and at the time there really wasn't a big call for that. I mean, the uh, real talk, and, and and I say that now because I'm watching a wave and a change, and it's amazing, but it's been a real like whoa, and I say that because when you're in that place and you know that that's a thing, and you're young, and I didn't come from came from family humble means, no independent wealth, no capital, no connections. For me, it was kind of a different experience. I knew community was important. I knew I need to find someone who's gonna believe because no one else does, right? So all of a sudden I found myself in Grammy U and I was a kid that was like, you knew you could call me and I'll be there all the time and I'll be there 15 minutes early and if someone drops out, call me and I'll, I'll, I'll tell my professor, yo, I got something I gotta do. Like there, there was a lot. So in Grammy U I just made sure, you know, I knew this organization was really important to me and I knew that I wanted to show up and I wanted them to know that I wanted to show up and there are four women that I can name that have been responsible for the trajectory that I've had within this organization. Kiana Conley, Brittany Presley, Nicole Brown, and Kelly Purcell, who's now the executive director of the Northwest region. Um, and so they, but they, they like, or sorry if I got you wrong, Kelly. Uh, but no, I, I really do say this because they let me in the screening committee. I just celebrated 10 years with the Grammys by myself. Well, with them, you know, it was just like, hey, it's been 10 years. But the re well, I said I did that, and then, you know, I showed up, and people knew me. They needed to know me. I shoved it down their throat in the best way. Um, and then after that, I became a professional member, and then I was in Grammy Next. Um, and Nicole Brown put me on that, and that was amazing. And uh, I was mentored by Carrie Ann Marshall. And then Yvonne Faison at the time, uh, who uh, was working for the Grammys in the membership department, uh, gave me a chance, and I became the youngest sitting committee member for the membership committee in 2016 and I had a seat at the table. 
And so all of a sudden now, just even going forward, I'll just say, you know, Next featured me on their thing, you know, and, and they said some kind words. They're like, to feature the future of the music industry. And I don't read things about myself because that's like really weird for me. But someone sent me a sentence and says, well, I think you should read this one. Uh, it was very kind. And it says, she's ready to lead her pack of peers to take a torch from Grammy U to Grammy Hopeful. And my dad and I just talked about this over Thanksgiving. And he still works two jobs. He saw me perform at the Grammy Museum actually last month. And then he had to go to work after that. And he was like, yo, I'm proud. And, and I'm super proud. And I hate to get emotional, but this dream didn't seem real. And it didn't seem like anyone really believed, but I had this huge organization and key players that were down for me and they were down to push me. And now I have sat with Kiana and I said, Asian American inclusion is really important to me because I'm the only one in the room all the time. And I'm the youngest, I'm the least amount of accolades. So that says a lot to me because there's no one really, I feel that's like me that sits at our table that has real change and real power in their hands. And so I've been so thankful because Kiana said, cool, schedule the meeting. Oh, I'm working with this organization, Filipinos and Asian Americans and entertainment. Cool, set the meeting, let's meet them. Let's just have a conversation. Um, so I say that whole thing because community was so important and you, you're watching like proof of someone who had literally just from an objective level like zero chance to be a huge superstar. And one thing I will say is there's a, one of the biggest bands in the world I've been saying for the past year and a half, I want to open for. And um, I say, I want to open for, I want to open for, I want to open for. And after the Grammy Next feature came out, their manager emailed me. And just said, Wait, who was it? I can't say. He knew I existed. He knows I exist. And the guys are on break right Speak now. Speak it into the universe. It's Imagine Dragons. But yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, and I was just over at Orly's house. And I did something with Ziggy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to look at, oh, my God, the 10 years ago version of me would have been like, holy smokes. You but know, you're doing like, it. You put in the it. work. But without the gatekeepers and without the people that said, oh, you know, have this chance, have this seat. I mean, there's a certain amount of power even in optics, even just being there, even being around that crowd. And being around that crowd and other people knew about it, then they let me in their crowd. And then slowly but surely, someone who was found it very difficult to navigate an industry that's like the wild, wild west was then navigating an industry like the wild, wild west. And even my best friend, Sierra Lever, one of my best friends who was featured on Next, seen her come from an intern from the Grammys and now she's associate marketing director of Columbia Records and she's another success story so you're starting to see the first wave of the Grammy U people kind of really come into their own Hilton's amazing he's in he was in next with us so what I mean to say and the other half of it is while I was doing that I got to you know be with uh, district advocate leader this year but before I would be able to meet with my congressman Adam Schiff and all of the issues that we're advocating for, whether you care or whether you want to be a part of it or not, affects you. And as someone who's young and coming up and who's like, I want to make sure I can feed my family. I want to buy my dad a house. I don't, I don't want my family to work anymore. The, all these things matter. These legislative changes matter. So this is an academy that not only helped me as like a person, like in a small micro 
single person way, but they're also advocating for people as a whole, like a mass of people. And they're advocating for these people's paychecks and their livelihoods. So I think just on that level too, with Music Cares, with Grammys, in, uh, not Grammys in my district, District Advocate Day, Grammys on the Hill, and then even the professional development programs that have allowed someone like me to really find a place and really be able to navigate comfortably with people that I trust. Um, I think that's an absolute miracle in LA. That's an absolute miracle in entertainment. And I really do credit the Recording Academy. So thank you so much. All right. That's amazing. I, and I, I love that you're so passionate. And, you know, there's that moment you got a little bit emotional. It reminded me the opportunity I had last year when uh, the Grammys established the Inclusion and Diversity Task Force. And I went and I testified on my experiences as a woman in music. It was very emotional because you don't always feel seen. But it, it's really great, like, you know, Kiana said originally, like you were saying, to be seen. So thanks for that, Alex. Um, uh, Big Papa, Hilton, <laughs> congratulations, thank new dad. You, thank you, thank you. I, I gotta say, I'm so thankful I showed up to my first district advocacy day, and then I met two guys that I think I'm gonna be friends with for the rest yeah, of my life, and uh, this is one of them. Why uh, does it matter to you? Uh, well, it's super important when you think about, you know, we'll see politics every day on the news, and some of it is so broad, but what I loved about the District Advocate is it really broke it down on that local level and made it a lot more personal, um, not only for us, but for our representatives as well. And obviously being here in Southern California, they have a lot of people in their constituency which are related to the entertainment industry, um, more so than you know other places. But I think it's good for not only them, but for all of us to hear our stories and then we can draw more of a direct connection to some of the legislative efforts. And, you know, I was involved with going to see, um, I, when we went to go see Karen Bass, I want to say that was maybe my second year. Um, the first time I met with her, and it was her first time hearing about the issues, and we actually got her to a co-sponsor um, at that meeting. Wow. Um, and, you know, I was a part of the team that, you know, was just speaking about some of the um, different experiences as it relates to myself as a creator um, and just the lack of some of the, uh, I guess, policy that could have been in place that, that would help. So, so anyway, I, I think just sharing your story, because I always start, start off the conversation, I ask the representatives, you know, what's your favorite song? Who, who's one of your favorite artists? How do you listen to that if you wanna, if you wanna hear it? They say, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll go to YouTube, I'll pull this, that, and up, and you know, I'll bring up an example of, well, you know, I, I'll share with you a song I did, and it got this many plays on, on uh, Spotify or YouTube, and uh, the royalty I got for my percentage of that song was 17 cents on a million plays. Yeah. They say, Really? I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't even take my wife to dinner on that. You know, right. you, you're making me look bad. So, um. but I think I think what you're saying really matters because you know you can send so many emails, you can write letters, you can even text, but right. that face-to-face -face human it's experience, like there's nothing like it's it. It's nothing like it, and I think it's big as well, and that we tell more of the stories of the people behind the boards on that other side of the glass, right. because sometimes you know they'll it's easy to dismiss our issues because sometimes it can seem a bit 
elitist or high level mm -hmm. if they're seeing that artist that's front facing, but they don't know it's an engineer, it's a producer, it's a songwriter, it's a manager, all, all sometimes behind that song. And um, those people can't go on tour or can't right. get paid for that huge appearance because they're like, you know, I just paid $100 to see you in concert. And now, you know, you're here and saying you have a problem getting paid, but, you know, it's not just them. So that's what I love about that. It gives the opportunity for people behind the scenes to tell their story. I think it's great. And Rachel, you've been um, bossing up on people from a legal <laughs> perspective and been involved in the academy for a long time, right? Um, I, I have probably 12 or 13 years or something, but I, I joined the Recording Academy because I heard about this thing called Grammys on the Hill and I wanted to go and I found out you couldn't go unless you were a member. So I applied and they made me a member and I, and I went for 10 years in a row or something like that. Um, but like Hilton, like Deuce, um, the, the most fun, among the most fun parts about that whole thing is it's really one of the only places where you can have a healthy bipartisan discussion that doesn't go off on the rails. So at a time when people on this side or that side of the aisle can't agree on a single damn thing, when it comes to protecting intellectual property, when it comes to protecting creators' rights, artists' rights, mu musicians' rights, uh, folks on both sides of the aisle can agree on this principle and that it's worth saving, albeit for completely different reasons. So the vocabulary that somebody on the right may use to talk about why it's important to protect intellectual property as because it's property rights may be completely different from the vocabulary that somebody on the left may use. But you know what? At the end of the day, they all believe in much of the same thing that I would predict that most people in this room would believe, which is that people who create copyrighted works and music specifically should be, be able to get paid fairly for the use of their work and that it should be protected and that it's worth protecting. And it's not that much of a stretch, no matter who you're talking to. But if they haven't had the opportunity to talk to people in their own districts about why it's important, it's not important, it then, then, then it's not important to them because they're not hearing from their own constituents. It's like the squeaky wheel. They'll be focused on the pothole and not you know, how much songwriters are getting paid. Right. So, um, so I'll pass the mic off uh, here in just a second. But f just as a weird example, after looking at advocacy throughout the LA chapter, which consists of Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico, I don't know, a few years ago I realized we weren't really having any advocacy in Las Vegas, and so I recruited some people there to go have some meetings in these October, you know, once a year things. And the lawmakers were like, well, we agree with you, but we haven't heard from you ever, and so we haven't paid attention. So until they get people in their offices, they don't have any reason to pay attention, and once they get butts in their seats around their conference table, all of a sudden, oh yeah, of course I agree. But you have to show up. And so I'm, that's why I'm here is because I like showing up. Thank you.
Arlie Marley, she is my partner in crime focused on professional membership. Yes. And she has been knocking on doors, banging on doors, and uh, recruiting people. Um, I would love to hear how you got involved and what your experience has been like and why, again, it matters. Um, you know, I got recruited <laughs> by Kelly. But um, I am a former vice president at William Morris, which is a talent agency. Um, and I'm now a music manager. I also run a small independent um, record label. We manage some publishing and do some consulting. But um, so my background is very professional. Um, I'm not a creator, but I have been working with musicians, actors, and actresses for a really long time. Um, and I think for me, it was uh, you know mostly about being able to give back, um, and you know a little bit. Um, I'm from the Middle East. I'm not American. I came here when I was 14 years old, so a little bit to what other people in the room were speaking. It was it was really nice to be heard, uh, to be at the table, to. Um, you know, be able to contribute and uh, give, you know, mostly give back, really. Um, I was honored to mentor and um, sit in uh, various uh, open tables, sort of like, uh, I forgot what we called them, where we had... Um, Committee meetings? When we had the younger sort of uh, mentorship. Oh, when we would do like... Yeah. Um, it, you know, it was really nice. Uh, I love being surprised to see how the young generation of music makers, writers, producers, how they think, how they work. It, it's very, very invigorating. And I was partnered up with a couple of up and coming managers and just to see like what they're doing, what their process is, how I can help, you know, give them ideas. Do you have a publicist? Is anyone looking at your bio? Like, what are you putting out there for this artist? What are you creating? Oh, those photos are kind of cringy. Like, you can't put that out there, you know? So it was really nice. And um, I think for me, the most important thing that I could tell you guys, if you're thinking about getting involved, this is all about what you make it. So you can make it a lot or you can make it nothing. But if you get involved and you try, you'll get a lot out of it. I, re you know, I really feel like this, this whole thing is, is all about like showing up. And if yeah. you care and you get involved, um, you'll get more out of it than we, we will. Even. And it's like how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? Yeah, like it's, 100%. That's like such a microcosm for life or your yeah. career. And what a great place to start. 100%. I, I always sit in these meetings and I'm like, what else can I do? Like, you know, Evan, I think you were saying like, this is amazing. I, there's so much. Like, I almost always feel underutilized because, I, you know, I'm like, that's it? That's all you want from me? Like, you don't want anything else? So um, when you show up and you come to the meetings and you get involved, I feel like you, no matter where you are in your career, I feel like you will be able to fit in and you'll be able to do something. And, and the one thing I can say that I, I do feel like on my end, I don't, I, I don't think that 
everyone, I, think, I feel like people are too embarrassed and shy to ask, like you guys were talking about, it's not a big deal. Like if you've worked with someone and you felt like you did a good job for them, reach out to them and say, hey, can you sponsor me? Can you write me a rec letter? Can you make a call for me? Like, you know, I get so many emails and they're always like, everyone's so hesitant. Like, do you mind? Like, I, I wanna be, I wanna get involved. Like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, like we, we wanna give back. Most of the people in the industry that are successful, they see the, 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 the light, they have already done it. They are not so hungry. But they want to, you know, like we want to help. We want to, we want to bring people along. So don't be shy to ask, because I feel like everyone's a little gun shy to like ask yeah. for help and ask for the. Huh? People yeah. want to help, right? Yeah, yeah, it feels good yeah. To yeah. Help it people. feels good to help. Like I always say, like I get more out of it than you do. Like I right. feel better, you know. Like if I have five dollars and I'm at the juice place and they only take cash and. This girl I know didn't have, like, I, I feel good. Like, it feels good to me. It's the same. Yeah. You know, I feel like yeah. I get more out of it than she does. Right. She just gets the juice. I feel good <laughs> the whole day. So that is like, you know, overall yeah. in this business, like, we do want to give back. We want to help. So if you've done something with someone and you feel like you, like, rocked that, you did a good job, don't be afraid to be like, can you write me a letter? Can you sponsor me? Can you... And you know what, for if, me, whatever it is. if I can't, if I already did my two, I bet you I can find somebody that can. Right. <coughs> you know, so that's really great. Yeah. Thanks, Orly. And Jeff? Uh, you know, uh, I think that Orly, uh, I hate to say this, might be a little shy and, and humble, but uh, among artists, I think she represents this guy named Ziggy Marley. Not a big deal, you know, but it is for me because he's one of the greatest artists in the whole world. And, uh, and everybody in this organization has some extraordinary part of their lives that's just unbelievable. And just to speak really quick to what you said, when I was a fat, dumb, dork, 18-year-old managing my first band, I had no idea what to do. Some guy said, you want to manage a band? I went, duh, okay. <laughs> and we actually walked around and said, hey, we have no idea what to do. Can you help us? And everybody helped us. And the one thing most people don't understand is that's the, the, the most scary thing you can do but it's the most rewarding thing you can do because everybody will help. And, and so just really quick, for the next hour and a half, I'd like to talk about my experience. <laughs> uh, when I was two years old, no. Uh, I just, uh, what? Oh, you, I'll tell that story another time, but, but, but thank you for that. Uh, and we all have this great community here. The thing that I think is the coolest thing of all uh, is that, you know, uh, about two months ago, I'm a genius also, I got on a lime scooter and hit a pothole and broke my leg. But here's the thing. You're sitting in the ER and the doctor comes in and you go, you're going secretly to yourself, Jesus, I hope this guy knows all the latest tricks on how to fix a broken leg. And, and that's what this organization, this is an organization of our peers. If you're gonna be an orthopedic surgeon, or if you're gonna go see one, wouldn't you want the guy that's hanging out with all the best orthopedic surgeons, wouldn't you? I would for sure. And what this organization is, besides a wonderful organization, does so much, uh, and the biggest part of what we do, we, and I'm honored to be a part of that we, is helping people. The, the, the altruistic part of the Recording Academy, which is Music Cares, 
I think they donate something like 20 to $50 million a year. If your studio's flooded, which happened a few years ago in Denver, not members, they rebuilt their studios for them. Uh, the MAP thing, which I was one of the early founding members of, uh, there's so many people now challenged by drug addiction, uh, and we're making an alliance with the D.D. Hirsch Foundation, which is an anti-suicide organization, because suicide's up 30%. So it's the coolest thing in the world. So not only are you hanging with people that are the best in what you want to do, and, and you're a part of that, and so you know what everybody's doing, and, and you can participate, but you're also part of an organization that's doing the coolest stuff for people who are like us, who may fall on hard times and stuff. It's really wonderful. I'm so proud to be a part of this organization. So if you're thinking about it, if you're thinking about having a great professional career, I mean, it sounds like, like this is some sort of a, a cult meeting, but it's not. <laughs> um, in about 10 minutes, we're gonna hold hands and get undressed. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, not, and the only other thing I want to say is that you can hear people sometimes grumble that their favorite artists didn't get uh, an award or something like that. I can only tell you that the one thing that, that is not well publicized, the process of, of submitting and the way the artists are vetted and the way that the voting and committees happen is absolutely untouchable and infallible. If anybody wonders about that, Look back a few years to see when an unknown artist, Esperanza Spalding, beat out the hot thing on the block, Justin Bieber. It, 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 it's great in every way. So if you're wondering about this, if you want to get involved, uh, real quick, I want to tell one other quick thing. I'm sorry, I am taking two hours. I'm sorry, I'll be almost done. <laughs> it was mentioned that I enrolled Daryl Issa. Well, I own a studio called The Village. It's a pretty big studio. We had a contingency of Congress and Senate people there one day. And we had a, a guy named uh, Graham Nash who came and played for everybody. And these guys are there, these senators and congressmen, especially a guy named Daryl Issa, who was really uh, uh, erstwhile Republican. I mean, kind of not my cup of tea or anything else. And out of nowhere, after this meet and greet was done, Elton John pops out and hugs me. Holy, this guy became a, a fan of mine. He thought I was the coolest guy on the planet, which I'm absolutely not, as you might know now. But uh, he became our biggest supporter, just through some dumb thing like that. And every congressman and senator has children and grandchildren that love music. That's how we did it. We just showed up, we go there, we talk to them, and it's insane that if you're an artist in America and you sing on a record that you can't be remunerated, and that we're in that same company with Iran and North Korea, that's what we're doing here. We're out to make it right, and I'm really proud to be a part. Julie, thank you so much. And by the way, what a thank cool you. space. Yeah. How about that? Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I think uh, before everybody goes to sign up to be a member, we might have room for one or two questions. Thanks so much for coming up here, you guys. Any questions in the audience? We've answered. We, we were very, very, very thorough. Anything else, um, uh, Evan or Kiana, that you want to add before we wrap up? Um, no, I'm good. I, I, <laughs> I think we discussed everything. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else we could add to it. I'm just, I, I really am thankful that everybody came out, and I'm thankful to you for getting me involved. And I mean, I really believe it's such an important time in music, right? As somebody that works in music and tech, I think we have barely scratched the surface 
um, of how much change we're going to see. And we could let tech companies just figure it all out, or we could let big corporations, or we could be involved in the future mapping and the conversations of doing it together. Um, when we talk about the professional committees, uh, a lot of times, I don't necessarily want to just go hang out with other radio people. I don't want to just go hang out with other streaming people. I want to talk to the artists and the A&Rs and figure out the future together. I, I, and I just, I, I do want to add though, I just think that, you know, as a, as a creator myself, you know, having this organization that I know that, that is there for me and that is there to fight for me and that I can then also be a part of, of that. You talked about community at the beginning, you know, and it's, and it's a community that exists that you can plug into, you know, for either, either to, um, you know, get something from or give something to and both, you know, and I think that's what's really important about the Recording Academy. The, it's a huge community. It's 21,000 people in the community and in, in LA, it's, you know, 5,200, 5,300 people in the community. It's a community you can plug into right away. So if you feel like you don't have a community and you're looking to plug into a community and you want to give back or you want to be a part of something, this is it. Show up. Kiana? I was going to add I just want to say thank you, Julie, you know, for putting this together. Thank you to Optimus and uh, the Idea Fountain because I love having voices and passions and intentional, mindful people like you in our community. Um, I think it says a lot about who we truly are as the Recording Academy as opposed to a lot of the other things that are said about us um, around just if somebody wins an award or not. <laughs> you know, I think people that are part of it saying like, no, let me, let me open up the door and show you what this community is and why it's important is necessary. And so I just wanted to publicly thank you, you know, for not only participating, but also like doing the work and then creating the platform for the work to continue. So thanks for having us and thanks for everyone for coming out. And, and lastly, Julie, yeah, I just wanna add that thank you. I mean, honestly, like this board this year wouldn't be what it is without you and your involvement and your leadership. And Aww, thanks guys, El Presidente. Uh, well, I really appreciate it and um, we're gonna hang out for a little bit if anybody has any other questions and um, if people want to know more about membership, who should they contact? Well, I wanna shout out Brittany Presley who is our LA chapter membership manager, wave your hand. You can actually speak to anyone that was called out by name today, because yeah. we all are a point of contact community um, to all things membership. But if you want some very specific directions on how to move forward quickly, either myself or Brittany, um, you know, again, anyone else that was sort of called you know, to the front can help you, and we're happy to get that information. In general, you can email membership. You can go to grammy.com slash backslash, no, backslash, Grammy.com backslash join to, to find out more information if you're not with us in the room. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for hanging out. Thank you, Kiana. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Rose Optimus, Bonnie's Dice. And uh, it's a wrap. All right. Best of luck to all the nominees this week at the Grammys. I've never had a harder time deciding who I want to win. I mean, album of the year? 
Uh, I would say Vampire Weekend. Best new artist, Rosalia, Billie Eilish, Lizzo, I can't decide. Uh, what an incredible year for music. To get involved and potentially vote for the Grammys, uh, make sure you sign up to be a Recording Academy member. You can go to grammy.com backslash membership. Thanks so much for listening to The Idea Fountain. More on all the episodes at juliepilot.co or at the Idea Fountain on Instagram. Thanks so much for being part of our circle and sharing it with friends. All right, best of.